Hello and welcome to episode 689 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, May 16th, the nightcap of the day-night doubleheader for me, and I'm your host, Paul Sport, joined by pitcherlist Alex Fast. Alex, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Uh, wow. So awesome to be here with you. I, I, I've been such a fan of yours for so many years, and now I've come to meet you and, and know that... Uh... Uh, you're, you're not all that great. Garbage, exactly, dude. Once, <laughs> once the mirage is broken, you're like, ugh, I mean, I guess I'll be on your stupid show, but I <laughs> thought you no were mirage, much cooler. You are one of the best, if not the best in the biz, so very happy to Thank be here with you. you. And I really appreciate that. I was legitimately bummed to miss the first time you were on the show. Those Sunday morning ones can be tricky. Uh, you know, I kind of carve out some time on the weekends for my girlfriend, and so making that one work was really difficult because I'd committed to some other stuff. And I told you, I was like, we have to get on one. And so here we are doing a nightcap. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the early hot hitters and, and kind of what we think about them and uh, how sustainable it is. Just a handful of guys. I'm going to let you get in some Caleb Smith stuff. But first, oh, we're going to yeah. talk a little bit about what, uh, what's going on today. It, it, not, a, not a full slate, if I'm looking correctly, which is kind of – oh, no, it's Thursday Yesterday it was weird because there were some off days. I think only a couple teams had days off, but for Wednesday to not be a full slate is weird. But this Thursday, when there's off days on a Thursday, that makes more sense. But there were some ex- interesting games. Oakland dropped 17. Uh, Atlanta dropped 10. Texas dropped 16. Cleveland dropped 14. Both of our teams got absolutely pummeled. Uh, mm. What were some of your takeaways from today's games? Uh, it was really dope, uh, you know, watching the uh, Baltimore Ravens get destroyed by the Cleveland Browns in that 14-7 game. That how do you not, not cover that guy, though? How, how, do, how do you let Odell Beckham just be wide open on fourth down <laughs> in the fourth quarter like that? I just feel like y'all got to get some corners out there, dude. That, I just, totally. It was a bad touchdown. It really was. It took him to Brown Town. Um, so there's actually a few takeaways, and I want to start. Oh, actually, there's kind of a through line that happened with both of our teams today, which is like you said a little, little bit before we started recording, where it's like, listen, if our terrible teams can provide us with three hours of entertainment, that's great with me. Unfortunately, both of our teams today provided us with entertainment by giving up an insane amount of runs <laughs> and by having defensive blunders galore. Yes. Like, just, it was unbelievable. Like, I, I have a few shares of Spencer Turnbull. And in the first inning, I was like, yeah, dog, let's go. This is great. This is going to be a great game versus Oakland. And then everyone on Detroit was like, nah, nah, Nah. we're going to, we're going to chill with this for a little while. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, oh, I can say this. We're going to shit the bed. I can say that. We're not, we're not trying to play any defense here. We're we're ready to just, uh, we're ready to just check out here. Yo, could you imagine what I would love for you to do? I know it would get edited out, but you could like record his reaction. I want you to drop a proper swear word in front of Pollock <laughs> on the show and just watch him melt. How, how old are you, Alex? Uh, me? I am 31. Okay. So this one might actually work for you. Are you familiar with The Secret Life of Alex Mack? I am familiar with The Secret Life of Alex Mack, yes. You know when she changes and becomes that puddle? That's what Pollock <laughs> yes, would melt into. If you dropped a proper curse word, because you say like duty pants and he's like, bro, (laughs) come on, we're trying to keep uh, it like what he's trying to keep it below G. He's like, we're trying to keep it B here. He's created a new rating scale. It goes Daniel Tiger's neighborhood on the corner and then everything else. I I, I feel like it would be like a Christmas story when Ralphie curses and you like see his dad in slow motion. Um. But it's funny that you say that because, 
even though we're recording here, Nick is here sitting in the corner with a whip, just waiting for me to curse. And I then I get it. a few laughs. Yeah, I, I believe it. And, uh, and he told me he would dole out my punishment tomorrow when, when he and I record <laughs> on, on the fireside. So I'm sure he's taking notes vigorously on both of us. Uh, but yeah, I'll tell you what, getting back to the games, when I saw six early, and it was in the third inning, my heart sank. You know, my stomach dropped really. Not my heart. My, my stomach dropped like, oh, God, Turnbull getting blasted. And only to see one earned. And I was like, okay, so we escaped. Four run, uh, four innings, six runs, only one earned, six strikeouts. It's not a great start, but it's certainly surviving it. It could have been a monumental failure. Well, totally. And I, and I, I want to preach caution for all those who are, A, a considering dropping him. It's do not do that. And, B, not if people see this rule, drop. No, I agree. He's not. And he actually ended the day with a 33% CSW rate. He got 16 called strikes on his four-seamer yep. today and 12 whiffs on it. So, like, he had a good day. It was just in the—I think it was the third inning. It all started with, like, Ronnie Rodriguez trying to do a double play that just, like, didn't work at all. And then, I mean, the Jerickson Profar Grand Slam was was a tater for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I— I, I I was I was kind of okay with that, and then so tonight also Bauer got like lit up, and he's now okay. Th- this is the like frustration of day to day fantasy when you're paying attention to it. Trevor Bauer has now been not exactly beat up, but certainly didn't fare as well as you would have wanted in Miami. Going seven innings, four runs, again not bad, ten strikeouts, but did put on you know eight base runners. It's not a bad start. But you're hoping for the dominance against Miami and then crushed by the White Sox and Baltimore lately. What's yeah. going on with him? I mean, he's he in the middle there. There's an at Oakland where he allowed two runs. Neither of them earned 10 strikeouts in seven innings. So it's not like I, I'm worried about Bauer, but what's with the volatility right now? I don't know. I mean, and part of my mind is like I always used to get frustrated with Trevor Bauer because I called him like Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, because That's, all he did was like tinker with his stuff. It's amazing that you said that. I literally, that was my my caution this year coming into the season. I was worried and still am that he's going to tinker himself out of aced him. Like, yeah, and, st- and still be good, but just like anytime anything goes wrong, he's he's working on it. It's like well, maybe you don't have to work on it. Maybe you just kind of keep doing what you're doing, and it'll yeah. it'll it'll kind of figure itself out. I mean, even with that said, I think uh, like his home run to fly ball rate is now up to essentially uh, it's oh I think it's at twelve percent now. After today's start, it's up to fourteen percent, thirteen point six percent. He ended the year with a six point two percent home run to fly ball last year. I'm pretty sure at this point he's either one away or has equaled the home run total he's given up uh, from all of last year. I think he led the league by giving up only eight or nine last year. And this he gave year, up I think nine given last year. Nine last year. Okay, eight. so. So it. that's, I mean, that's that's insane. And also, of course, you're going to look at that uh, that walk rate. That walk per nine yep. is up to 4.09. Uh, he's got a, I think it's like an, I don't know what it is after tonight, but a near a 12 or 13 percent walk rate. And I think you got to hit the nail on the head. We're kind of hit the nail on the head. We're kind of in agreement about like, he's a super smart dude. He loves the game, but sometimes I feel like that can get in your way because you're just trying to adjust when you just need to relax and do what you're so good at. Yeah. No, I ab- absolutely agree. Uh, with all of that, with regards to Bauer, obviously you can't. There's nothing actionable about it. You just kind of got to eat it and and move on with him. But um, you know, he's not giving you that, that premium front line that you were kind of hoping for with him. Uh, anything else that you took away from today's slate? Like I said, we saw some big scores elsewhere. Unsurprisingly, Wainwright got blitzed. Tehran pitched pretty well, and now he heads into a two-step next week. Uh, he he did well against St. Louis, five scoreless. 
only two hits, four walks, but uh, I, I believe he gets St. Louis again next week, and then uh, there was another decent team there. Um, he's going to be at San Francisco, at St. Louis next week. That's a sneaky little two-start in shallower leagues, Julio Tehran. Do you have any thoughts on, mm. on, on, on rostering Tehran next week or even holding him? He, he has a sub-4 ERA this year. He seems to be one of those guys that people begrudgingly put on their roster, though. Yeah, that's fine with me. He's like kind of perfect waiver wire fodder to me to stream against those weaker teams. I mean, I do believe that there are some like higher K upside options that people don't necessarily consider. Um, like I know that Martin Perez is still available in a mm-hmm. lot of leagues, and I'm definitely more interested in owning Martin Perez because I like what he's flashing a little bit more. Same. I'm also like it's taking me a little while to finally come around on this guy, but like maybe it's time to finally give Chris Bassett a little bit more love yes. than he's getting. Uh, eight innings pitched with no earned runs, four hits, two walks, and seven Ks today um, against Detroit. So, like, an elite team, he's some... yeah. When you, can, yeah exactly. when, you can, when you can rock an elite team. <laughs> J- jokes aside, though, I mean, he came in with a 32% strikeout rate and 7% walk rate and then dropped seven strikeouts and two walks. So those are both going to improve uh, over mm-hmm. eight innings. And so, you know, there really is something to like here. And, you know, the the slate hasn't been murderer's row here. Texas is a pretty good offense, but then a trip to Toronto, trip to Pittsburgh, home to Cincy and Detroit. But that's okay. Nobody's saying that you need to use them. I, I kind of get annoyed sometimes, and, and so I want to be clear that I wasn't just doing what I'm about to say I get annoyed by. Whenever, you know, some mediocre mid-level guy has a, has a good run, people attack the uh, schedule. It's like, yes. okay, that's what we do in fantasy. What the hell are you talking about? Like uh, Lucas Giolito, I've been hearing pushback on, on him because of his schedule. Well, well, fine, then don't use him against Boston. Like, duh, uh, yeah. you know, until we see more, until you're more comfortable against, uh, against the top-tier teams, that's fine. But Chris Bassett couldn't beat me, you, Nick, and six others in some of his seasons. So the fact that he's rolling these loser teams right now, and that was really only in 2016, and then he got hurt. And last year, he was fine for 47 innings. And then this year, he's been fantastic. I think it's been a curveball that's really yeah. been driving uh, driving that swinging strike rate for Bassett. So I like him. I think he needs to be on a roster in just about every league right now. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I know that his next two matchups, I believe it's going to be Cleveland and Seattle, a Seattle team that has definitely cooled off over Sign the me last up. couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and you hit the nail on the head. I know he's been super effective and he's also got some pretty damn good velo on that fastball too. I know he's sitting like 95. I know he's sitting like 93, but he can hit uh, 95 yes. uh, with the pitch. So yeah, I, I kind of like what, what I'm, what I'm seeing of him. It is kind of a weird day though, when Chris Bassett, uh, leads the day in strikeouts especially in a day when zach wheeler is going who i mean when you look at his 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 like k-zone plot he his slider are like honestly is maybe one of the best i've seen it this year then i truly like he's just kind of a mystery to me right now it's so frustrating it owning is him. I so feel for you guys. so frustrating um huge fan coming into this year and and just the volatility has been has been absolutely maddening with Zach Wheeler. Again, not really actionable though. I don't see any any way where I'm going to move off of him in any in any sort of uh, meaningful way. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Our boy Luis Castillo, the 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 god of pitcher list and fan graphs, five <laughs> and a third, two hits, two runs, six strikeouts, only one walk though. I like that. His walks mm-hmm. have been getting a little bit high. Although I think there are some calculated walks there where he's not just going to. It's been a kind of a theme for me this year is guys who are, are being smart about their walks 
and kind of uh, you know attacking the edges of the zone. Now, five walks against San Francisco in San Francisco, I can't really abide by that. That's that's just poor control. But uh, you walk, you go over some of his other starts, particularly the LA start that I'm thinking of against the Dodgers for Castillo. I thought he was being a little bit more calculated with some of those walks. Of course, if you get too many walks, you're going to build up pitch counts, and it's going to be difficult to even go six, let alone deeper than that. So uh, he's been fantastic, though. Absolutely back on track to what uh you know obviously nick and i were hoping for last year when we went ham with him on our on our rankings and everything anything else you took away from today before we talk about some uh some some big time hitters right now uh no i mean i i think this luis castillo game i think it was rain shortened as well so he theoretically should have gone longer which kind of sucks oh did they they just quit it because it was delayed did they go ahead and just scrap it i don't believe they've scrapped it but i know he's not going back out there and he'd only thrown 76 pitches yeah yeah, yeah, you're right, because uh, I'm looking now. It has picked back up, but mm-hmm. it was too long of a rain delay for yeah, uh, Castillo to come back. So they just went ahead and, and uh, dumped it. You're right with him at now, five and a third, 76 pitches. Before we begin, though, and I want to get into some of these hitters, I have to – I'm I, just like you're a man of your word and you said we are going to do this one-on-one podcast, I am a man of my word, and I owe you an apology – for yeah. saying that you were in on the Corbin Burns train. I was yeah, incorrect. Corbin Burns side of it. <laughs> Woodruff versus Burns. So you were a Woodruff boy as well. Absolutely. Good. Oh, you yes. major Woody all off season. <laughs> I was a big fan of his. And listen, you know, he, this is not a slam dunk that he's like ready to take off. Obviously, Burns has, in between those two, Woodruff is certainly winning the battle right now through through a month and a half. But I do like what Woodruff is doing. And I, I know Nick is still a little bit skeptical. And I understand some of the points that he has. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. That There's just something when I'm watching Woodruff that that keeps me interested. And I understand some of the flaws that when you kind of look over the profile, you, there isn't a ton to go off of and, and really uh, lose your mind for. But I'm still looking at that strikeout rate up at 29%. It was 27% last year. He keeps the ball in the yard. Uh, interestingly enough, this year, it's been with more of a fly ball lean, whereas last year it was a ground ball lean. I'm kind of curious what's going to happen with that, though, because the hard contact is up, and it's actually been more line drives than fly balls like the ground ball rate came down but it's all been line drives so i'm wondering what's gonna what's gonna give there with with woodruff but i like that he has three pitches i think nick still tabs him as a as a two-pitch guy i think that change up is, is a little bit above a show me level right now so yeah. it's fastball slider change up for brandon woodruff well- I, I definitely agree with that. And um, he, uh, two days ago, even there's a few things, and I'll make them quick. Before this start, he was, had the, 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 I think, fifth biggest difference between his FIP and ERA, and that ERA is finally starting to come down. That's one point. Second point, like, yes, he walked five guys in his last start, but I love guys that can minimize damage like that. If you're walking five Phillies and you're escaping the game with zero earned runs, one there's hit. something there that I'm – yeah, with one hit, then there's something I'm a little bit more interested in. And then, so I talked to Nick about this in the last episode of, of On the Corner about all of his p vowels. Hey, and hey, hey, was, hey, hey, hey. Yes. Don't mention your pot on here, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't know I what's so to... funny, dude. This is the only pod that exists when you're here. You're here for an That's hour. True. You That's shut true. your fucking mouth about other pods. That's true. Yeah, I listen to this pod. God, I, I hope somebody pod. takes that seriously. I know, seriously. Like, if anyone man, saw our text to each Dallas. other, 
they 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 would know damn well where that uh, that that's just kind of our vibe there. Anyway, there, anyone, there's my f bomb. We each get one. If anyone listened to the surprise call that you put me on blast yes. the last time that we talked, I was so proud of that. And I was talking to Nick about it. I'm like, he he did kind of want that taken out, right? And, and oh. Nick's like, yeah. And I was like, that's exactly why I didn't take it out because <laughs> I I absolutely I loved every second of it. It was great. Uh, anyway, make your points about about old Woody there. My bad. Yeah, so I was talking about the um, the better podcast that I'm on, and we th- there's a so I was talking about Pivot. I've been thinking a lot about this, and I actually love to pick your brain about this because you're obviously in, you know incredibly smart about this kind of thing um, about Pivot and expected Pivot. Now, obviously, Pivot is not a predictive thing; it really takes into consideration run expectancy based on a play. Now, when you see such a disparity between FIP and ERA, and when you see a guy who has a su- uh, at this point when we were talking about, it, I believe his Babbitt was like 380. Now it's 350. 52. It's tough for me to take PVALs into consideration because a lot of those, I think it was changeups in specific, yeah. were were going for hits that shouldn't have gone for hits. I personally think there should be something, and I'm doing my best to work on it. That's X PVAL, which should show theoretically those hits that should not have gone for hits that should have been better for your changeup, and it's actually a better pitch than people think. I was pretty intrigued by that when you guys were talking about it, thinking like, hey, that that is something because. You know, I like to look at the P-Val, and I try to temper myself from overly relying on it. We're just talking about pitch values that you guys can find on the player pages, and there's different ones for pitch FX and, and pitch info. Uh, but they basically kind of give a, a uh, number rating to the pitch, and obviously the, the higher the better, but they're not wholly predictive. So you can say, oh, this guy's been rocking a good changeup this year because it's a 4.0 pitch value. But that just—that's just the expected outcomes of uh, of the uh, of the changeup so far. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to continue at that rate. Your point is, you know, if if the changeup has like a 900 BABIP and he's given up, you know, a 390 average with it, then the p value is probably going to be like minus four, and it's going to say, well, that's a garbage changeup. He needs to get rid of that. If they're all a bunch of ground ball trash singles that, uh, you know either have been bad luck or the defense just isn't quite getting them, that's not an accurate representation of that pitch. So always be careful with P-Vals is, is probably the bottom line here. Yeah, yeah. So oh, good. I'm, I'm glad that you think that's interesting. So I, I wanted to bring that up real quick, but we can totally move on right. to another guy that I have shares of because of you and the first base preview what? that you did with Justin Mason. Well, I, I am excited about this then because originally we missed Josh Bell. I don't know if you recall that debacle. When we did the first base preview. That's right. You had to talk about him. Yes, he was missed. And someone said, well, we want no love for Josh Bell. And, and listen, this was not a, this is the guy to go get. This is my number one guy. Or I probably wouldn't have forgotten about him. But we, it did allow us to spotlight him then. Because we were like, oh, so, you know, sorry about that. We absolutely like him. Uh, here's, here's our focus on Josh Bell. We talked about him. Switch hitting guy. Showed the power in 17. It came back last year. Just kind of one of those guys at first base. Justin and I, as the winter went on, we kind of came around to the notion that first base isn't quite as thin as we think. At the top, yeah. sure. There was really only the, uh, for me, the the top four was a clear, clear cutoff with Freeman, Goldie, Rizzo, Bellinger, then a, then a drop-off to Carpenter, Votto, Muncie, Olsen for me before the injury, probably Abreu and Aguilar as well, because I did like Aguilar coming into the year. Then another jump off, but then a giant glob from basically Cabrera was my 11 
all the way down to like I I still had love for Justin Bohr. I'm gonna own it, even though he just mm-hmm. got sent down. And he was terrible, but and he was down at 25 though, and so I had Bell 20th. As I look at the list now and I think back to, you know, preseason, the only one I would really regret not uh, having him over would be Tyler White, who was actually 19th, just ahead of him. Sure. I I, I he's been excellent. Obviously, he's like two or one at, or, or two at first base, probably behind Bellinger right now. But Josh Bell, you know, I had him behind Profar because of the flexibility. Smoke had shown more power. Desmond, because I'm stupid. Jose Martinez, because he hits like 900 batting average. Santana, Gallo, Edwin, and Miguel, you know, they just have a better track record. But he's been amazing this year. And he's really taken a step that it was really hard to see coming. He's hitting 331, 401, 689. Talk to us about what you're seeing out of Josh Bell and what really prompted you to go ahead and get your shares and, and where you're kind of taking him going forward now. Yeah, sure. I mean, so once like once again, I mean, you prompted me, like you said, you you brought it up at the podcast. You guys accidentally missed him, and then you brought uh, you know up some points about him. And I realized based on what you and Mason had said that like, okay, in an auction, maybe I can spend my money in other positions. Then if first baseman is what you say it is, and then get a cheap Josh Bell, which is exactly what I did. I got him for a buck. Uh, oh my so that yeah, that was that was great. While everyone else was overbidding on you know Ross Stripling, had that turn out. Hey, I was getting. I, I listen. I'm not yelling at you. I hey. love Austin. I'm yelling at the Dodgers. That is insane. I hate the Dodgers so much. Oh. It is insane. It is maddening. It's Dodgeritis. It's a real thing. Yeah, um, it really is. With, with Bell, just some crazy things that I found. I mean, he he he's recorded a hit every day since April 27th. He has failed to record a hit in back-to-back games once this year. So there's only been one instance in which there have been two games back-to-back in which he has not recorded a hit. Is that insane or what? Bananas, dude. April 1st and April 3rd, back-to-back games. He had a day off in between, and every other day he's uh, gone either at one hit or multiple or, you know, anyway. Um, That's wild. It's insane. He's third in WRC plus right now behind Bellinger and Christian Yelich. Okay. He has a 184 WRC plus. Let's go through some of these other deeper X stats that might be a little bit more predictive. 17% barrel rate, top 6% in the league, so 95% sick. exit VLO, top 1% in the league, Gross. uh, 447 X top 3% in the league, 56% hard hit rate. Okay, that's top two percent in the league. If you look at his rolling Woba right now on Baseball Savant, it looks like the Richter scale from Dante's Peak. It's like it, it's like Stairway to Heaven. Like it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, Josh Bell, like it's incredible. You know how many homers he hit last year? Twelve. Uh, I think twelve. And this you know year, how many he's homers he has this year? Twelve, dude. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. He's a mon- and these aren't off like schlubos, dude. These aren't off no. like like this is all, he had all comers. Yes, bring them. Oh yeah. Yesterday was a perfect example. Uh, Grenke, before he farted and hurt himself and had to leave the game, had a complete game shutout going with four hits. Half of those were from Josh Bell, who was the only one who was squaring him up. Two hits off Max Scherzer, hits off Ryu, Castillo, Weaver, Boyd. You look at it. This blows my mind, too. If you look at his average exit velocity by zone, right, by all 13 zones, he has one where the average exit velocity is below 90. Just one. And his average exit velocity over the middle of the plate is 102 miles an hour. If you leave a ball over to the middle of the plate, he's crushing it. He's getting to everything. All right, so let's play it forward then. We know Josh Bell has been excellent. Mm-hmm. I think it is good enough that you could feasibly sell high if you wanted to and actually get a 
a return commensurate with what he's doing. But what do you expect the rest of the way, right? Because we know that not all these levels can hold. A 1097 OPS for Josh Bell is unrealistic. But are we talking, I mean, he hit 26 homers in 2017. Are we adding 10 to that? Are you pushing 40? Uh, where do you got the batting average? What What do you got for the for the bottom line or, or rest of season with uh, with Josh Bell? Okay, um, so that's that's a really great question. So as you said, right now he's at 12. Every projection system I think the highest had him at like 18. I don't know when when that was most recently updated. I see him getting above that. I see him probably settling, probably in the mid 20s, probably like 25 to yeah, I think 25. It'd be realistic for him. I, I don't think it's crazy to expect 13 more homers from him. Over oh the no, next, not at uh, all. Months. Um, no, I think you're selling it short. I think he's going to hit. Oh, you think he's like 40? No, 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 no. You're saying you're saying 13 the rest of the way to finish with 25. I think he'll. I don't think he'll end up with more than 35. I think between like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But that still that still leaves 23 on the table. Mm-hmm. And you're you're got all the way down at 13. I'm surprised that you're saying maybe only 13, 15 more because the projection well, system's got him for 18 more. That's rest of season. Oh, I thought that was the actual projection. Like, no, he was no, only no. going to have 18. No, no, no. Those are rest of season projections. So they're okay. adding then, 18. Let me share with you why I'm why I'm a little bit tepid. I uh, Okay, let me start by saying I think I'm going to cut to the end and say I think Josh Bell is a top 10 first baseman at okay, the end of fantastic. the year. Fantastic. Yeah, let, let's hear the, the, the tepid uh, take, though, because we've seen streaks like this before. Remember, Didi Gregorius was the best hitter in the universe for yeah. a month last year. And I remember everyone in the MLB, the show community, was like, you got to make him a diamond. This is just too good of a run, dude. Sure. And then he was yeah. literally the worst player in the league. The next mm-hmm. month, obviously, Josh Bell has not done that because he's he stayed hot into into May. What, what do you see coming down down the pike here to, uh, yeah. to finish off the season? It's also like Matt Carpenter, too, which is like reverse mm-hmm. Matt Carpenter. Um, he still can't hit sliders. Sliders are are up everywhere across the league. Yes. He hit 162 against them two years ago. He hit 239 last year against sliders. He's back down to 211 this year. So, like in a league that's trending towards sliders, like you got to figure that guys are going to throw him more of those. I mean, uh, here's the counterpoint to that: they need to get ahead of the count first if they want to. If he wants, you know, if they want Josh Bell to whiff on these sliders, and maybe he's just not letting them on 01 counts. He's hitting 297 right now. Oh so then you're like, yeah, it's insane. So he's like, oh, all right, you're trying to get me 02. Nah, tater. Uh, if he's behind the count 10, he hits 317 with six taters. So I took a look at like, okay, who's who's throwing him first pitch sliders, and everyone who's doing it is is missing with those first pitch sliders, and he's oh. actually laying off them. Um, so they're having difficulty getting him behind in the count. I'm still worried. Like maybe if they could, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe I was telling him a little bit too short. Maybe he is going to be like a 30 home run guy. It's kind of crazy to me. I, I know it is, but don't forget 26 in 2017 without this skill set. It wasn't True. a bad skill set, but he only had a 108 WRC plus. That's Josh Bell. I think I think we're talking uh, low 30s as well. Somewhere I'd say somewhere in the 28 to 32 range is where I'm going to put him. Obviously, that that averages out to. 30. So I'm going to go with the projections there. The batting average, the, the projections have him for 275 rest of season. When the projections got you at 275, that's just a nice foundation because then you're not that sure. far. You don't need that much, you know, uh, you, you don't need that many things to kind of go your way. I, I'm reluctant to say good luck because it's not mm-hmm. just doinkers falling in, but, you know, a little bit of extra line drive rate or, or maintaining that power a little bit more. And all of a sudden he's hitting 300 rest of the way. 
and then he ends up with a 320 average for this season. So Josh Bell is an absolute stud. Again, you need to fetch an a true mint if you're going to trade mm-hmm. him. I think. Can I can I put you on the spot real quick and do a little like if like this guy or this guy with of Josh course. Bell? Great, of course. Um, Josh Bell, rest of season, we'll say Josh Bell or Pete Alonso. Bell. Okay. Josh Bell or Joey Gallo. Ah, that's tough. That's a, that one's really tough because we've actually seen some advancements out of Gallo himself and. He just doesn't even need to be that great. Like he he hits two thirty five, and it's like a it's like a party uh, with what he's able to do. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go Bell. I'm gonna concede the homers, obviously, to Gallo, but the average gain is gonna. I think I think Bell's average advantage is going to offset the home run advantage for Gallo. Okay. This I, I I I yeah that's I I I think I'm with you on that one, which is kind of crazy. I have both in my league, so I'm oh I'm goodness I'm a happy man. What a, what a pair they're working out as because you can kind of take off some of Bell's batting average advantage and funnel it over. You know, look at look at the two as a pair, and it's just two two superstars across the board there, outside of speed, of course, with uh, with Gallo and Bell. Uh, let's move on to Jorge Polanco. Another guy who's really, uh, really clicking on all cylinders. This was somebody that I viewed as a nice middle infield option uh, at a really deep shortstop. Could have never seen this sort of start coming where he's just creaming the ball. Eight homers already. 331, 398, 624. If you had asked me what, what a dream upside looks like, it would have been batting average field. So I'm less surprised by the 331, even if I don't necessarily find it to be completely sustainable. He's going to have some volume stolen bases, but he might struggle to kind of get many more than just the, the base 10 and really reach that uh, that double-digit line because he's a brutal base runner. He clearly has no idea what he's actually doing, but he just yeah. happens to be able to get some. He's 26 for 42 in his career. That's a 62% mark. That is horrific. He was literally <laughs> 50% last year, 7 for 14. Yeah. It's, he's If he doesn't improve a little bit, they might just – red light him and say stop we get you on yeah, base please. you've had a good obp the last two years stop or else you're going to be running into outs but anyway the power and average have been nice for jorge polanco i'm wondering what you see under the hood with him and what maybe jorge polanco can do the rest of the year um okay well, well correct me if i'm wrong but uh, he he was suspended for stanozolol or whatever you pronounce yes. it, however you pronounce that right like one of, now, one of the worst I... ones in terms of what? Like in terms of like what you could actually take? In, in terms of – I believe this is true. Uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's uh, – maybe not. Now I'm questioning myself. I thought it was like one of the ones that if you took it at the right time, you wouldn't get caught. But you'd have to be stupid to get caught with uh, it because if you took it at the wrong time, it's like an automatic catch. That might be a different one because I know Sterling Marte's. I remember reading a an article. I think it was from Victor Conti. Uh, you know, Balco and all that sort of stuff, who said, who basically said exactly that. And when he was talking about it, he's like, I mean, you just have to be dumb to get caught with this one uh, because it's so easy to hide it. And so if you just took it at the right times, you'd be fine. I, I am questioning myself now. I'm not entirely sure if that's the same one that, that Polanco took, but yes, he was popped for, for PEDs. He was. And, 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 and this is, and I'm also very unsure about this because uh, I'm not a doctor. In fact, I'm the opposite. I was an actor for 10 years, which is the <laughs> on the spectrum. It's literally as far apart as you could go. 
Um, so he, but from what I understood, I think it had to do with like uh, uh, quickening up how quickly you heal, right? Or, or what a great Most sentence, of them quickening do. up how quickly you heal. So, okay, this, this is why I kind of wanted to bunk the, to debunk the thing of like, oh, he's not taking steroids anymore. There goes all of his power. It's yes. not that. Oh, it's I the hate, fact I that you're that. healing quicker. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's 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 a common misconception. Like the I idea that you see guys... I could take PEDs and, and pop 15 homers is is truly what some dumbasses believe. Yeah, no, exactly. I can't take steroids because I don't want my wiener to get smaller. Um, <laughs> uh, Please say I... that on on the corner. <laughs> on, on the Nick corner will spontaneously combust. Yeah, I know. I, I really can't record podcasts with you because our personal friendship is is leaking into it. But uh, but but back to the point with, with Polanco, I wanted to to write the ship. So it's not like people are going to see these taters and be like, he's back on the roids. It's not that he he, he is. He is a good hitter. Um, I understand people are going to quickly point to that um, 352 BABIP and be like, that's unsustainable. Yes, it's unsustainable. But keep in mind, he's in the top uh 20th percentile in terms of sprint speed so mm -hmm. while he's not a good base runner his BABIP is going to be naturally higher because of that essentially elite sprint speed I don't know if I necessarily buy into the fact that he's going to be like a the new 2020 guy I, I don't think that's really gonna happen he's never stolen more than 13 bases I think he's still like near 20 in the minors once um but I do think he's going to be able to like keep this contact up um, I know he's kind of brought down that K rate a little bit. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in him, but definitely more for the average than I am for, for the, for the power. Yeah. Same, same here with me as far as Jorge Polanco goes. And by the way, I was actually doing a little bit of looking up on it and, and in an article on Henry Mejia testing positive for Stanizolo. Um, I did see a Victor Conti uh, quote basically saying that if you take this, the question is, how do they? How, how can they take it and not test positive? You can beat it uh, with a fast-acting testosterone. No one who knows they're going to be tested these days should knowingly take this. So, again, it's something that you really, if you were going to do it, you'd have to do it in the off-season. Assuming you're even not tested in the off-season, which I don't know. But if you have sure. any chance to possibly get tested in like a six-week span of taking it, you're gonna get you're gonna get caught. But anyway, that 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 puts a bow on Jorge Polanco. For me, as far as like trading him, I'd write it out. I don't know that the market's looking to pay big for somebody with a big batting average, usually, unless it's like a Jose Altuve, someone who's proven uh, to be a big batting average guy. So even though I do believe in in a lot of what uh, Polanco does batting average wise, meaning I think he can maintain a 285 the rest of the way, which is definitely mm -hmm. a positive asset. I don't think you'd get a fair shake in the market. So you, you got him as a, like a mid teens round pick. I say you just ride it out. All right, let's talk yeah. Tommy La Stella. Oh, and yeah. uh, freaking Tommy, man. How, Tommy. how, <laughs> how does he have 11 homers, dude? How? Oh, so I think I cracked the friggin' code on Tommy. On tell the me. power. All right. Bro, um, tell so, me about Tuami right now. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> um, he, uh, I'll just cut straight to the point. I'm not going to dilly-dally. What's the point, you dangus? The Angels lowered the uh, home run wall in right field. Of okay? all the people that that was going to benefit. I remember when they did that, and it made me more I interested. I thought it was going to be Bohr. Otani, Bohr, and Cole Calhoun. We're all got, yeah. and I never thought that Tommy Lastella, the God, was going to take advantage of it. So, is he hitting a bunch of home home runs? 
he's got six home home runs, and half of those would have been doubles two years ago. You did crack the code, dude. That is exactly it. Have you tweeted this? I, I am yet to tweet it because I wanted it to be a sleeper in the bust exclusive. We got the exclusive here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tweet it after this. I'll, I'll, I'll do a tease or whatever it is. But yeah, I looked up every home run he hit at home. Bro. April 4th, Tater against Yuli Shasin. Double last year. Look at his Tater against Mike Leake. It's a double in 2017. Bro. Yeah, Let's go. So this is what I I'm saying. It. So like... Yeah, his ex-slug is 100 points lower than his slugging. But at home, the taters will continue, I think. It seems like it. I mean, he seems to have played to that wall. And and for those that don't know, we're talking about a a right field wall that they lowered like eight or nine feet. It was a substantial dip. And I think a lot of folks thought it was in in response to getting Otani, which, hey, do you, Angels? I love it because Otani can go over any wall, but if he can get some cheapies off of it, let's go. And again, I was with you on board. And I even thought Cole Calhoun could steal a few, a few as well. Turns out it's Tommy Lestella, dude. So, yeah. Um, yeah, again, this is another one that you're writing out. You're not trading. No one's trading for Tommy Lestella. How many more homers do you think we get the rest of the year? Can he double up? Can he go 22? Just 11 the rest of the way? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I, so, too. I really he's going to play regularly. I mean, he's going to play regularly. And he's hitting – right now he's hitting leadoff for them. Like, that's – Insane. And here, here's the thing. If if Tommy Listella was not like legit making elite contact right now, then I would be like, yeah, this is all smoke and mirrors. But I, I think he has a higher WRC plus than Mike Trout right now. He does. Uh, and he's also he does. He, it's insane. And he's also I looked this up today, too. There are four angels in the top 10 in contact rate. Can you name them aside Listella and Trout? Who are the other? All two? right. So Listella, Trout, David Fletcher and Angleton Simmons. That's actually pretty easy for me no Adelton Simmons I don't think is in the what? top 10 yeah. what I know I'm such a cocky piece of garbage so I was like <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> uh, good sir I've got this one oh, man. What a <laughs> um okay let me think I will say this if it's Brian Goodwin I'm murdering you just so you know <laughs> Not Brian Goodwin. Anderson Simmons is, is 13th, by the way. You are never going to friggin' believe who this is. You're also getting murdered if it's Jonathan Lucroy. My friend, come and kill me. I, I'll be there. I'll be there tonight. That's unbelievable. It's why unbelievable. Does, I do. Why does Jonathan Lucroy have six home runs in a 269 average right He's now? fourth in contact rate at 89.5%. So angry about that right now. Do you know how long? <laughs> I kept that corpse on my team the last couple of years. <laughs> Are you yeah, man. kidding me, dude? This yeah. is the dude. This is like Ian Desmond's cousin. They go to Colorado. They're like, we're in the best hitting environment in baseball history. Let's put up a nine WRC plus. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's me, Jonathan Lucroy, my cousin, Ian Desmond. What the hell is going on, dude? Yeah, it's Wild, man. I don't know. I don't know what's maybe. Uh, do they have a new hitting coach or something? Like, what? What, what is going on there? That's, that's an interesting thing to bring up, you know, because I know Angleton. That, that's why I was. He and he's big time no strikeout guy, and so I totally thought I was right on that one. Um, but I know David Fletcher was doing some big things too. I don't know, man. They're kind of sneaky interesting. I remember thinking that they could be sneaky interesting this year if the pitching came to fruition. It hasn't, but the offense has made up for it because it hasn't been just Trout. So they're 20 and 23. Let's not pretend that they're amazing. But 
They've got oh. Lucroy being a plus bat, Listella being a plus bat, Angleton, Goodwin, Cole Calhoun. He just got hurt, or he's on paternity. It doesn't say IL. So did he go? What what happened to him? Why is he gone? Yes, paternity. Yes. And then of course uh, Cole Calhoun. He's been a plus bat, and then of course Trout. And even Pujols has been basically league average with a 99 WRC plus, and now they just got Otani back. If they had any pitching, I think the Angels would be in the wild card mix, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so that, and you know what? If you're an Angels fan, have hope for the future because Griffin Caning has been looking fantastic. And I don't think they should stretch him out this year, but he could be a solid guy in your rotation moving forward. Tyler Skaggson still needs to pull it together. Um, they do have a new hitting coach, Jeremy Reed. Uh, this is his the first season player. as the Angels hitting coach. Um, I think, I, I don't know, promoted after serving the organization's minor league hitter coordinator, hitting coordinator in 2017 and 2018. Oh, yes, you're right. Eight seasons at the major league level. Mariners, Mets, Blue Jays, Brewers. Yep. Now this might be where our age difference comes into play, but do you not remember this guy? No, I do not. Tell me about him. Oh, well, he was, he was a can't miss who absolutely missed. Oh, uh, he was supposed to be a stud. Maybe I, I might overstate it a little bit there, but he was like a top 30. No, I'll, no, I'll stand Doug, firm right. on that. He was drafted by the White Sox in the second round yes. in 2002. He, he was a big and a college guy, uh, lefty bat. He was supposed to be a big time deal, could play outfield, hit for average and pop. And it just never came to fruition. Not quite like top five prospect, but like top. 25 top 30 is what I want to say for Jeremy Reed. But now he's a hitting coach. That's the thing, man. It, it, it's so wild. You know, you see a guy who hits 252 with a career 78 uh, OPS plus because I'm on his I'm on his BRF page right now in 1300 plate appearances. You're like, well, how's that guy going to teach anybody? That's not that's not how coaching works, though. You don't have to have all the pelts on the wall to be able to understand the process and what what you need to do to succeed. He obviously had a lot of talent, Jeremy Reed did, and he's had an interesting impact on this uh, Angel squad. But anyway, we got far afield here talking about Tommy Lestella. You absolutely cracked that code, by the way. That tweet better <laughs> go viral or else we got a lot more murders to enact tonight. <laughs> to the, I don't know, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to kill anybody. I love Alex. I love all of you, but please go find the tweet and retweet it after Alex posts it. Uh, last guy here that we want to talk about, last hitter going off, Hunter Dozier. Yeah. Now, I've got a story about him, and I checked with our two guys, Kylie McDaniel and Eric Loggenhagen. It wasn't them. So I don't know which prospect maven gave me this tip. It was a few years ago, though, and we were just talking. I can't remember exactly what we were talking about in the DMs. And, you know, he was asking me something about somebody else, I think, maybe like a pitcher. And then just as a throw-in, he's like, I know you play fantasy Hunter Dozier, dude, it's just different coming off of his bat. Got power for things. This was just a couple years ago. I've been taking Hunter Dozier every year since. And so I'm talking like maybe since 16 and like the 50 team, uh, 50 round draft in holds. So I've had him or like 17, 18, and 19. Yeah. So the last three years is, is one. It's not like I've been taking him, you know, since he came into the league, but this was something like, hey, Here's a prospect for you. I really love this guy. And he was a pedigreed guy. He, had, he was the eight overall pick. But I've been waiting for this is basically my point here. And I love that it's finally coming to fruition. I wish I could remember the prospect guy because I would totally give him credit. He was so bought in on Hunter Dozier. And I, I distinctly remember that DM of him telling me, like, yo, this guy just mashes. And he's finally putting it all together. Have you had a chance to take a look at Hunter Dozier under the hood to see what's going on with his amazing breakout? 
Yeah, man. I mean, I tried to trade for him all this past week. I was trying to move him for Jake Odorizzi. I thought that was a, a, a good a way to sell. Sell high, sell high type of deal. I, I think so. Um, I, I mean, listen, last year uh, he was just a strikeout machine. Um, and we knew, I think we knew that, that there was potential. I think even, um, even, uh, Zimmerman, Jeff Zimmerman wrote the, the profile on him for, for, for you guys, for fan graphs. And he talks about how he, he failed completely because of his, his plate discipline he had a, or lack of thereof a 28% K rate. And you look at this year, it's not hard to see why there's success because the K rates down to 19.5%. If That's you look huge. at his, it's huge. Yeah. If you look at his O swing, Last year, his O-swing on sliders was essentially 44%, and this year it's 30 Wow. Like, that's, that's chase rate, yeah. though, those that don't know. It's out of the zone yeah. swing percentage. We just call that chase rate sometimes, too. Uh, so if you hear us interchangeably use that, that's just gone fishing, and, and he's not fishing nearly as much. So Dozier is hitting better on sliders. Any other pitches that he's really turned his fortunes around on? Oh, yeah. His curveball, he went from a 40% chase rate to a 25% chase rate. Wow. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, he's only seen about 60 curveballs so far this year, but even his fast in the fastball, okay? Uh, he had he saw 506 last year for a 25% chase rate. This year it's down to 12%, man. That's like he's just he's he's seeing the ball better. He's just seeing the yes. ball better and he's not chasing as much. I I will say like I I am I am buying in cuz I like guys who are making this sort of contact. I have absolutely no problem where he is right now. With the Royals because he's still got Merrifield and Mondesi and Nicky Lopez. Like Dude, I have I'm, no problem. I mean, on Nicky Lopez, man. Yeah. So that's a that's not a bad one through four. It's like actually no, it's really pretty not. good. But I, they, I will say they though, can get on base. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was gonna they, say they can get on base. Uh, Gordon, the the Renaissance of Alex Gordon, and those are the five, four ahead of him: Merrifield, Lopez, Mondesi, Gordon. They're on base regularly for for Dozier to continue to drive in. Yeah, because I think you, you're right. I think he is hitting. You're right. He's hitting fifth right now. You're totally right. And then behind him, what the bat considered the best pitcher even before Perez got hurt in Jorge Soler, um, like pure talent wise, they said that he was actually the best, uh, the best hitter, which that was interesting. So it's really oh, wow. not a bad. Yeah, it's really not a bad one through six. Uh, he just can't play the field at all. And it's very funny. No. Um, I, I will say, though. The one thing that gets me a little bit concerned is the splits. Um, I was going to ask hitting, about that. Yeah. The reverse splits, one, too. He's a righty crushing righties. Yeah. He's hitting 352 off righties and 194 off lefties. Now, the one thing I would say about Dozier is it's a 231 BABIP in just 44 plate appearances against lefties. He faces a couple schmucks in the division or something. I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of some off the top of my head that he could, like, beast up on because obviously he has the platoon advantage. That could that could flip is my point. Uh, a big, yeah. you know, four at bat game where he hits uh, two homers and, and a base hit. He goes three for four with the two bones in a, in a single off of all off of lefties. And all of a sudden those numbers are flipped pretty quickly. Cause we're still only 44 plate appearances in, but it is stark to see basically his OPS cut in half going from righty to lefty for a right-hander. That's what surprises yeah. me so much about it. Oh, well, guess what, Doug? Yes. Uh, Batting average minus expected batting average on lefties for Hunter Dozier, 194 batting average against lefties, 256 expected batting average against lefties. That's a, that's a little boost. I'll take that. I'll take that all day, I'll, every day. I know, I know that. he doesn't get uh, a lefty next. He gets, I believe it's, 
uh, Helen Keller's great grandson, Brad. Wait, uh, he faces he his own him. teammate. No, no, Brad Keller. Oh Brad, yeah, that's yeah. He Brad faces Keller's his own on teammate. His team. <laughs> now, dude, you have to be sad. I was so excited for the joke. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why I'm so happy about it because you're like, yo, this, this, I knew you were like, yo, this joke's popping. I'm like, I mean, it is. No, but no it's not. The, the, joke the next Tommy Lestella, I gets, ruined it. The next lefty he gets is Tyler Skaggs on Sunday. So let's see if he could take advantage of a of a hobbled Skaggs right now who hasn't been pitching very well. And Hunter Dozier can maybe get his numbers going. But after that, his next one, the, the next two Sundays are the only two lefties he faces in the next week plus here for Hunter Dozier with Skaggs and Hap. They, they have a band of righties coming up and they have the short five game week next week. So, um, but by the way, how do you feel about that with the, all the five game weeks we're getting this year with the way the schedule is set up? Is that forcing you to take guys out of your lineup in, in lieu in favor of like a seven gamer? Right now, I feel like James Charles losing followers because of that awful joke I just made. Yeah, um, great reference. <laughs> thanks, Doug. Um, but uh, no, you, I mean, it depends on the league. If I'm in a roto league, then yeah, I'm probably going to go ahead and play the teams that are going to give you a little. Well, actually, almost in all formats. If I'm in a oh, points see, I, league, I, 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 yeah, in points you would go the volume route, right? Yeah, you have to. I mean, you, 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 yeah, you really do. It has been frustrating, though. I mean, yeah, all I, the I think time, was, like every week, some team has a five game schedule. I know, but that also really boosts the um, the importance of multi eligibility players yes, uh, right does. now. I actually, before we before we wrap up, I don't I don't want to keep you too long, but I want to pick your brain about some guy that. I'm actually still kind of holding on to, despite his 201 batting average. He's got multi-positional eligibility, and you probably know about him because his name is Nico Goodrum. Nico, yes, he had the big, uh, he had the big, big error today that really set that set that (laughs) off. Yeah, I did. But he also had two home runs that were robbed by George Springer, and if he's 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 got an elite uh, like batting profile right now. Hard hit rate is wild. It's insane. He's got a he's got a 201 batting average, but a 276 x batting average. I think you got to stick with him in in leagues where where Nico Goodrum is worth drafting. I think you have to stick with him for exactly that. You know, he's still barreling up the ball, hitting it hard. Um, his strikeout rate is actually much improved from last year. His walk rate is is also well improved. Like everything looks so much better than anything we saw last year out of Nico Goodrum. I have a hard time getting away from him right now, despite a 208, 314, 346 line. I feel like it has to get better. Now, the one thing that really stands out that that worries me a little bit, I mean, you mentioned two, two lost home runs, and we're still in a point in the season where two home runs would make a pretty big dent on a 660 OPS uh, mm. right now, right? I mean, that would probably boost it up to like 700 alone, I think. I feel like, or, yeah, or at least at least like 680, 685. It would, it would be a healthy jump to get two homers on your 153 plate appearances for Nico Goodrum. And you said he had a couple robbed by Springer. I can only recall the one, but I mean, that that's crazy. One thing I worry about is that home park plays so much. I, I don't know that Comerica gets the reputation it deserves for being such a difficult place to hit. Now, he hasn't been good on the road either, but I do worry that the, the home park could still continue to suppress Nico Goodrum's output a little bit. However, that division that they're in, you know, th- he doesn't get to face his own team's pitching, unlike mm-hmm. Hunter Dozier, who gets to face Brad Keller. Which <laughs> um, 
so he, <laughs> he he does have, <laughs> but the rest of that division, there's not a ton of great pitching. Obviously, Kluber's down, but there's still Carrasco, Bauer, and Bieber. So there's three gems there. Uh, well, you know, Odorizzi and and Martin Perez, I believe in both guys to a uh, pretty substantial degree, but. And they also have Barrios, so there's three three fifths of that rotation there. But KC, the White Sox, you know, we'll see what Giolito and Raylo can do. But it's not a difficult and more to the point, the bullpens in the division are trash. No matter even Cleveland with their good uh, with their good rotation, I don't really buy their bullpen that much. Although I know there have been some pop up guys. The bottom line is. I like what Nico Goodrum has been doing with the skills. And this is somebody that if he is on your wire in 15 for sure, if he got cut loose in 15 teamers, I say you go get him and just kind of hang on as long as you can. Maybe even in a 12 teamer with a deep enough reserve roster, I would stash and see what I can do. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear you say that. And you just proved my point and I'm going to keep on keeping him because you said that. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. I want to finish with one thing. We have to let you talk a little Caleb Smith. That's why we called you. And uh, I'm not just going to let you gush about what he's done, because that's great and all, but it's time to push forward. He has a two-start next week at Detroit, at Washington. You love the first one. You don't even hate the second one, though. Washington has not been problematic uh, for for opposing pitchers this year. They're 17 and 25. It has not been good. Um, You know, they have some, some worrisome hitters in the lineup, but not enough to push off on many pitchers right now, let alone someone who's pitched as well as Caleb Smith. But what do you realistically expect the rest of the year? Obviously you you've you've been able to take whether you've been you've been cautious about doing it, but you could freely take a victory lap right now if you wanted to, at least to say, hey, I had him on y'all's radar. You're welcome. Um I know you don't want to do that, but what do you got going I, forward? I, I yes, I mean I'm I'm hesitant to do it. I I just uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be recognized that I loved Caleb Smith, and and that's all I can be happy for. Realistically, going forward, I mean there are truly no major indicators. If you completely ignore the past, which I do think you can't completely ignore it, but he did make substantial changes to his command with his fastball last year. Mm-hmm. If you ignore that and look at the other ERA indicators, we're still talking about a sub three FIP sub and a three. sub three Sierra. Yeah. That's and, nasty. And, and it's, it, it is nasty. And it's like, I don't know how many more tests he necessarily has to pass before we're really buying into it. I mean, if you're going into Wrigley and you're striking out 11 Cubs in Wrigley, if you're going Mm -hmm. into Philadelphia and striking out eight Phillies in Philadelphia, if you're doing seven strikeouts in Atlanta, if you're at home against Tampa, and yeah, you're giving up probably the biggest home run I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) The obvious one. (laughs) Holy cow. That was absolutely that was absolutely insane. I I had the the uh, privilege to be at the home run derby. That was that crazy matchup between Bohr and Aaron Judge. Oh, yes. uh, and and uh, I think it was Bohr, Aaron Judge, and then Stanton was involved. And I got to see that home run derby. And I was standing not far from where that is. Let me tell you, that is very far away. That is very far away. It was away. such an um, insane shot. <laughs> it really was. But I, I have to double down and buy what he's doing and say that at the end of the year, I think he's going to end the year below a 3.3 ERA. And the reason I point to that is 
this changeup is super legit. I mean, he he's throwing it more. I believe he's upped its usage to 20% this year, which is up about 7% than it was last year. We're talking about a pitch that's got a 22% swinging strike rate right now, 42% zone rate, and a 41% O swing. You could play the little money pitch sound if you want to play it there. Uh, I'm not going to lie, by the way. I prefer the old one to the new one. You do? The cash register right. was just so I, I it was simple. I loved it. All right. All right. We'll get back to it. I, I, I hear you. I, 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 I love how much it bothers you either way. <laughs> and, and then when you can anticipate it, like when you're talking about a money pitch and you know Nick's getting it ready, I just I, those crack me up, especially. <laughs> I, I, I will. Wasn't it? It was you and Nick together who came up with the hotel, right? Correct. Correct. So if we look at his hotel, uh, which is uh, the holy trinity of equated luck, correct? Uh, the Holy Trinity equating luck, equating, uh, which is um, homer to fly ball rate, left on base rate, and BABIP. Sure. So, and I, I love it. It's like a big part of my analysis. I love that you guys came up with it. You have to figure that the left on base rate at ninety percent is a little bit scary. The fourteen point three home run. Yeah, yeah, very well, well said. The 14.3 home run to fly ball rate is also a little bit scary. From what I can tell, I think, I don't know if it's every single one of them, but almost all of them have been solo. Sh- it's five out of six yes. have been solo shots. Five Here's out what of I say six. about the left on base rate, though. Yes, it's 90%. No, it's not going to last. But he doesn't put anybody on either. So yeah, point. I don't, it's not like he's, the proverbial dodging raindrops. Like if he had, if Caleb Smith had an 8.8 hit per nine and the 10% walk rate from last year, and he was still putting a 90 left on base rate, I'd be like, this is a house of cards that is going to collapse, but nobody gets on base. And so to strand the very few runners that do get on and, and so many of the runs he's allowed have come via the Homer, which is not part of, you know, I don't think that counts in left on base rate at all because they weren't they weren't on base. You didn't have a chance to leave them or not leave them. I so I guess my point is I'd like to study or or someone much smarter than me kind of study something about left on base rate to where just because it's ninety, it's not automatically scary because of the 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 few amount of runners that he's putting on. And so even as it regresses, because he's putting on more runners, is it really going to damage? him to any major degree or is it just going to be part of putting up a 330 era the rest of the year and he has like a 75 percent left on base rate which would be perfectly normal with this walk rate and maybe a 7.3 hits per nine which is what he did last year because he's difficult to square up very clearly now when he misses a pitch it can be a homer but that's the thing it's like you're either going to be able to take him yard or, or you're rolling over or getting very weak contact on Caleb Smith. And, and that's kind of the beauty of what he's been able to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, like aside from the Albert, Albert Omora home run, which is a full count, he he's had at least one strike in all of them, except for one, he was Oh two on Garcia. So maybe he's at, he can stand, he's got 40% zone rate, on uh, on his slider, forty two percent zone rate in his changeup, and a fifty nine percent zone rate in his fastball. He and also great O swings or chase or whiff rate or chase rates. He might be able to stand to be like you know what I'm burying the slider more. People think I'm going to put yes. this in the zone, and then maybe the home runs can can go down a little bit. Either way, he's a guy with three pitches that 
are working. He he's Matt Boyd if he had a dope changeup and a little <laughs> bit more fastball like uh, a zip on his fastball. I think and uh, and and I love it. I love him. I love him. I did too. It's been it's been great. Uh, I remember Nick and I talking a bit about him last year before he got hurt. We were certainly not on the train to the degree that you were. Although I do remember one, one thing. I will say one one little horn tooting. I will give a little bit of uh, uh, love to was Nick and I were talking preseason in like November or December about how there was actually some interesting arms on Miami, except for the fact that they're on Miami. That was kind of like the yeah, frustrating yeah. thing was that they yep. would have to face that that dastardly division. Uh, Caleb Smith, Trevor Richards, Pablo Lopez. Lopez hasn't really worked out, but he still has the 381 fit, by the way. So despite yep. the fact that he has a 6 ERA, 593, there's actually some encouraging signs with him. I wasn't so yep. much on, on Sandy Alcantara uh, or Alcantara, but I did like uh, – I thought Jose Urania could be kind of a bland, solid, if unspectacular guy. But Smith, Richards, and Lopez were the three that we kind of keyed in on. And as a group, they've been pretty good. Like even Richards is a is okay if you've spotted him a little bit. And Lopez has some uh, upside if he can get some things in order. A nine point two hits per nine is, uh, has really hurt him. I want to play a quick uh, quick little bit of either or here. Or, or would you take this back uh, in a Caleb Smith deal if you need it? We're going to focus on offense. Let's assume you need you need some offense here, and your pitching has worked out to a degree where you can actually trade Caleb Smith. Would you take Josh Bell? Oh man, take Josh Bell. Um, no, I would not. Uh, I I think that uh, I love Josh Bell as we said before. I still think it's not impossible to find uh, taters on the waiver wire, although it's much tougher to find the average, and it's tough to replace those ERA and WHIP and Ks on the wire. Sure. So Especially no. streaming this year has been tough. Would you take yeah. Michael Brantley? Oh, daddy hitting the spot. Um, you mentioned average. My- so, uh, that was the name I was going to pick anyway, but then when you said replacing the average, I was like, well, let me give you like one of the best batting average guys there is. Oh, man, yeah, who's also – that's just so much contact. Um, man, if you were dying for – Average, uh, yeah, I think I could because not only is he giving you average, but he's going to give you the runs. He's going to give you the RBIs on that fantastic mm-hmm. Houston team. So I think it's almost a three for three trade. You're while you're not necessarily going to get, uh, I mean, you're still going to get like probably twenty four home runs out of him, assuming he stays healthy. Uh, sure, which that's he obviously should. a concern. But the same with yeah. Smith, right? He has his own health concerns. Totally. Um, so yeah, I don't, I I think if that was a team need, like if you were doing okay on K's, like, like I was saying, he's not going to give you the most home runs ever, but Smith is not going to give you the most wins ever. So I don't think that's a terrible trade. Would you take Tommy LaStella? No, I'm just kidding. Tommy LaStella. Give me all the shares of LaStella and I'll give you all the Caleb Smiths you want. (laughs) All right. Uh, well, that's going to wrap it up. I'm glad we got to do this. Um, I feel like we should open a Patreon and just have a, a uh, unedited, you know, no holds barred on the on the language <laughs> podcast just for ourselves. Or we could just call each other regularly. I mean, I guess that that would be uh, what we'd be doing there. But hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I had to have Nick on. Or, oh, excuse me. I had to have Alex. On. I just oh, boo. Uh, I ruined the whole thing. Ruined the whole thing. It's um, but no, I, I had to have you on, Alex. And you have to come on again this year, 100%. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 like I said, I started my fantasy life listening to you, and to be here talking with you right now just shows you that 
A, I can't thank you enough, and B, if you work your butt off, you can talk to Paul Sporer one day in a podcast. <laughs> or if you have a podcast, I pretty much say yes to anybody. So, I mean, that, there's there's also that. I'm 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 here to help. So, uh, anyway. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, no problem. I appreciate you being on, and we'll get this posted, and uh, you'll be back on again later without Nick. But, Alex, thank you so much. I'll talk to you later.